Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the pro sports industry, and each week I interview women in the sports business to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the next level faster. Did you know that less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women? We've got work to do. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here as your host to bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Noelle Merhadi is an agent in the music division of UTA, a leading global talent and entertainment company. In this role, Noelle focuses on booking artists into all venue types, including performance art centers, clubs, theaters, amphitheaters, and festivals. Noelle attended college at Syracuse University, moved to New York, started as a receptionist, and is now in LA working for United Talent Agency in her dream role. If you listen closely, Noelle tells us how she did it. Two words, laser focus. When is the last time you reevaluated your career trajectory? Are you on the right track? Take the time to put pen to paper and get focused on what's next for you and don't be afraid to make a lateral move to correct. Noelle did it and trusted that she'd get to where she wanted to go. That trust worked. Betting on herself paid off. We will also hear more about UTA's employee resource group, La Femme Majeure. LFM is a women-led UTA event series and organization within the music group, which aims to bring together music's next generation of leaders, nurture professional growth, and advance gender equality in the industry. LFM offers internal programming for women within UTA at all levels. All events are open to cis and trans women, as well as non-binary people who are comfortable in a space that centers the experience of women. Without further ado, let's hear from Noelle Merhadi. Hey leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you want to hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring, email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Noelle Merhadi. We are so thrilled to have you today. I want you to do the introduction. Tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I am a music agent here at United Talent Agency based in Los Angeles. We are a full service company that covers clients in television, film, hosting, podcasts, books, digital partnerships, all kinds of things that we can dive into further, but I specify or my area of expertise is in the music space. So we are booking live concert events day in, day out. It sounds like a very exciting job and I can't wait to learn more about it and how you excel in this role. But I want to talk about first, how did you get there? 
how does one become a music agent? So many of my friends and colleagues are big music fans, but my route is in performance. So I started playing cello when I was nine years old. It was offered to me in public school in fourth grade. (laughs) And most kids rent a violin and then give it back six weeks later. But I chose the cello and I was just drawn to it. I don't even really cannot really explain what that is uh, even now, but was drawn to it and still stayed connected to it now almost 30 years later. Uh, So I studied performance in college. I went to Syracuse University undergraduate and I was very interested in continuing my performance side of myself. Syracuse's program was amazing for me since I could still participate in orchestra and string quartet and support Broadway musicals and operas and all of those things that really fulfilled me. But they also had a industry track So there was availability to study the business side of music and the music industry in addition to this base that was in performance, which I really love. It's such an incredible story. And there's so many parallels between many of our guests who work specifically in the sports industry. They were athletes growing up and went into the business of sports. You were and are still a musician and went into the business side of music. So it's, it's such a great story. And I wanted to ask you if it's what you expected and were there any roadblocks to reaching your goal? I think it's just something that's been a continuous thread throughout my life. I don't know if I ever anticipated music being my whole life because I could do a whole comedy routine and how I only have one interest hobby occupation, you know, it's all music related. So I'm not sure if I ever knew that, but it's just when your love interest becomes your job, I think that's the best case scenario. And I love having a route in theaters and in performing arts centers specifically. That's the area that I specialize in. And I started playing in my local performing arts center in Providence, Rhode Island in fifth grade which was probably an amazingly uh, wonderful concert to attend, to listen to a bunch of fourth and fifth graders who had been playing for one year. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I always, that just seemed very, very much my home. I feel really comfortable in those types of buildings. And I think it's because I've been going there and playing there for so long that I always sort of kept that thread connectivity what have you. And as I started my career in my early 20s after college and had my first job, most of my friends wanted to go and see like the cool new hip band and these clubs and late night shows and uh, living in New York. I was never really one to want to go to a warehouse show in Brooklyn at, you know, three in the morning on a Wednesday. That was not my style. So it kind of worked out for me that most of my contemporaries were drawn to something and I was drawn to something else in terms of creating a pathway for myself. So there's a big move somewhere in your story here from East Coast to West Coast. You're in LA right now. Talk a little bit about what that was like. That's a big transition in your life. And a lot of us have to move to take on the, the next big role. So shed a little light on your story and how you were able to 
really take root in LA and, and blossom into this great career? So my first job out of school was at a company called the agency group. And I got the interview or the recommendation from a alumni. So I leaned on my alumni network. So really go Syracuse. Thank you for that amazing education and also the network that comes with it. Uh, And I got a job as the receptionist, which I thought was amazing. Moving to New York City, working at this uh, dynamic company that was doing so many cool things and learning about it from the ground up. The office then was 30 to 40 people. It was pretty small. So we got to know each other really well, really quickly. Um, And they really embraced me and tried to teach me everything they knew. So from there, uh, I got an assistant desk. That's sort of the, the progress report. And I was an assistant to someone who specialized in performing arts centers and seated theaters, which I was sort of a unicorn to her because most, like I was saying, most of my contemporaries were looking to work in the contemporary space. And I was working, looking to work in the adult contemporary space, even though that I was not my own target demographic. And I loved my boss at the time. I loved the clients I was servicing. I loved the company, but I really felt like I was ready to progress and taking on some additional responsibilities and opportunities. And with that, I got a great opportunity to move to Los Angeles and to a company called APA, which was great to me for eight years. And I really made a lateral move, which was a jump and a risk and uh, a little bit of the great unknown. But I made a lateral move hoping to be promoted sooner and hoping to make that jump sooner. And that worked to my advantage because I was promoted within 10 months of moving to LA and moving to a new company. So that risk paid off for me. (laughs) And that was now 11 years ago. So it's crazy how time flies and it's crazy to think about all those memories and all of those relationships. And then in that eight year time period, when I was, you know, what we call away or on leave, Uh, I joke with lots of my colleagues here now is the agency group, the company I started at was ultimately acquired by United Talent Agency UTA where I work now. So when I came back to UTA, everyone said, welcome home, welcome back. And I said, this place is a lot bigger and a lot fancier (laughs) than the building that I left. But uh, it was amazing to be sort of reunited and reconnect with lots of people that I had long-term relationships with. You know, they saw me from the day that I walked in that office to answer the phones, to having grown in my career, even if I did need to take a step away and learn elsewhere to to come back was really amazing. It's such a cool story. It's it's the dream that lays out from receptionist to being in the role that you had looked up to when you first started your career. So congratulations to you you. and all of your success and for really having the, the mindset and the vision for the path on what you wanted to achieve and making sure you made the right moves to get there. And I think there's something to be said about being crystal clear about your objectives and, and what you're going after. And I'd encourage our listeners to think about that. What, what do you want to do? Be really specific, be crystal clear and go after the opportunities that's, that support that path. Noelle, you're living proof that it will work out uh, with hard work and, and time served. And 
I want to jump into your role a little bit. You book artists all over the country. So take us to a little school here. What is involved in getting the artists booked and ensuring that the tour also makes geographical sense? How much responsibility is it for you to promote the show versus the venue? So the role of a booking agency is we book live concert events. So that could be in any type of scenario, whether that be in a performing arts center, whereas my area of specialty, a club, a fair, a festival, a corporate event, a private, on and on and on. So we cover all types of events and uh, there's little specialist categories in all of those places. But uh, essentially, we're getting our artists work. You know, that's that we're in sales and we represent an exclusive roster of clients. And so I want to put Emily live on stage in Reno on October 10th. I call the venues in Reno that are appropriate size that would be appropriate for her performance. We figure out what the date's going to be, what that fee structure is going to look like, if they're extras, are they paying to pick you up in a private jet? Are you responsible to feed yourself? You know, all of those things. So, um, and that goes soup to nuts from artists that are, you know, grinding it out in a van themselves, all the way to top tier talent that are headlining festivals all over the world. So that's the general breakdown. And uh, my day-to-day is really in the adult contemporary space, like I mentioned. So I represent clients like Paul Inca, Gloria Gaynor, Debbie Gibson, that are generally a slightly older demographic and have been established, have that uh, legend element to them where people have loved them, loved their music, followed their career for many, many years. It's not as dependent on a new record release or a feature on XYZ or a video or, you know, what have you, all those extras that are just like supporting that as it goes in time. Most of these are tried and true, which I've always really loved and appreciated. And it's really cool to be able to contribute to some of these artists careers at this time and place when they've accomplished so much for, uh, in some cases, you know, 30, 40, 50 years prior to me being on their team. So I really like that. That's really, and I think the root of it all, I feel like I keep going back to the root because that's really what I'm thinking about and like feeling nostalgic about, but especially coming out of COVID is we're in the joy business. You know, you are really looking forward to seeing your favorite artists coming to your town, or maybe you have a girl's trip and you all plan to go to a concert event together or you and your husband's first dance, that's your favorite band. And then when they come through, like you have some sort of connectivity, emotional element that is, you know, you're spending your hard earned dollar on something that we're working really hard for. And to get to see those concert events come to life uh, is really, really special and rewarding. So when that was taken away for a year and a half or so, it was really challenging for many, many people because that's their outlet in a lot of cases. But for us, it's our outlet, but also our work. Yeah, I mean, that was a devastating time for the entertainment industry, period. But what's been incredible is watching the comeback and mm-hmm. and being a part of that and how much people are 
missing or missed what they couldn't do and, you know, willing to travel or invest in moments and memories and joy, as you stated, you get to be a big part of that. Yeah. Well, to me, I feel like it's, you see life in Technicolor going to shows now, you know, going to concerts, going to festivals, everyone is like volume, you know, 15 in terms of their excitement and their, uh, their passion and how engaged they are. And it's really, really fun to get to watch and experience as a fan and to get to watch other fans too. Oh, I, t- I totally agree. And there's just, it's, it's a new vibrancy. The whole saying of, you don't know what you have until it's gone, I think really rings true in this day and age. And, um, I hope we can hang on to that feeling for a while and just live in that joy in that moment of all the things that we, we get to do. And you must have a pretty hefty to-do list. So we have some crowdsourcing questions that we do sometimes on the podcast. And one of the things that has come up is details and tracking and event planning. And if you have any hacks or recommendations on how people can get better in that arena um, on the detail side and uh, making sure that they're totally taking care of everything so we can deliver an A-plus experience. Well, my day-to-day, you know, my desk life part of my job, I'm a list maker. I think I have a pretty good memory, but there's so many things going on simultaneously. And there's so many, we're at different points in different projects all the time. Uh, I'm a list maker. There's no greater feeling than crossing something off or deleting that from your note or what have you. Uh, A tip that I cannot take credit for, but that was offered to me recently and I have been trying to implement and I think is really helpful for anyone at any stage is the way that you calendar a meeting or a lunch or an event, calendar an hour of time to do that thing that's been nagging you, you know, oh, I really have to go through and clean up this grid, or I really have to go through and get going on that tour that I wanted to route, or I really have to reply to all the people on this chain that I haven't gotten back to. If you delegate the time in your calendar, just like you would for another activity throughout your day, you can slowly chip away at that to-do list. And maybe even the bigger things that are right, you know, they're uh, nagging at you in the back of your mind you can finally just like get those off the list. So calendaring, or I try to make to-do lists on Sundays. I do that a lot. And then I feel really good going into my Monday. I know I've kind of refreshed and I'm prepared. So those are some hot tips. Yeah. Discipline to get the work done. And the step one is making the time for it. And the preparation helps you to be one step ahead when you're walking into the office on Monday morning. I love it. So can you give us an example of a successful tour that you've worked on? Wow. Well, you know, I've now been in the agency space for 14 years and I've gotten to contribute and touch lots and lots of artists, uh, successful tour. I shouldn't be stumped by that question because there's so many that I love, love working on. I mean, one that I'm really excited about right now that I mentioned previously is we have Debbie Gibson going out in June. She's doing 15 shows. It's her first headline tour in 20 plus years. I think every 40 something year old, uh, 
woman, mom, what have you is looking forward to that. Uh, I keep saying, you know, grab your girlfriend, stock the Pino, like let's <laughs> all just go and sing and have fun and dance and feel like we're back in the eighties. Yeah. And, and we work on a system where we get to, we work on teams and we get to contribute to lots of different things. So I love the variety of what I do in my day to day. I get to work on country artists. I get to work on adult contemporary. I like get to work on some uh, more mainstream artists. We did some underplays with Jesse J in LA and New York recently that were really fun. And I think got fans excited and she's also so hysterical. And that was just another side that in those smaller spaces with an acoustic show, she got to show that side of her personality a little bit more. And that was fun to contribute on. So I hope those are a few highlights, but there's, I feel like we could do a whole other hour on things that I've enjoyed working on over, you know, 14 years here. Um, I'm kind of excited about Debbie Gibson and I really want to know the wardrobe. Like, is she going to go eighties or is she going to just look amazing in today's styles, which actually we're throwing back to the nineties, eighties, quite a lot these days, but (laughs) any, any insight on the, on the wardrobe? Uh, you know, I might've gotten a little sneak peek of her closet in a video that I watched recently. So yeah, I think that you will not be uh, disappointed <laughs> by the wardrobe choices for sure. And she looks amazing. Oh, I love it. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to get into a talent agency or booking agency for their career? A saying that is true for lots of industries is it's all about who you know. So being involved uh, in your college booking group to have concerts come on board, you're dealing with people on the other side who are full-time booking agents, managers, label representatives, A&R, what have you. So, you know, at the getting in and having that experience and having that touch point with something that is legitimately part of the industry is great and really helpful. Go to lots of concerts, (laughs) stand, you know, by the front door in the back, you know, see who's talking to whom you can almost kind of see that, especially in smaller spaces, uh, who's there working, who's there when you go to the same venue a few times over and you see the same guy, do you work here? What's your role? You know, can you get to know them that way? Internship experience is obviously really great. I am living proof of leaning on my alumni network that really worked well for me, (laughs) But having something on your resume when you are applying to a mailroom program at an agency or an entry-level position in some other facet of music, having something music-related already on your list is really helpful. We are all busy professionals, right? That's why I'm always looking for the best products that are both convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. Mobot is a beautifully designed water bottle and foam roller in one. This company is female founded and led, which is huge for us at Leadership is Female and supports our core philosophy to elevate women. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of camp to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps so much with recovery and it feels good. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadershipisfemale to get 15% off.
Support Lanny, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness product. Visit mobot.com and use the code LEADERSHIPISFEMALE to get 15% off today. Great advice. Okay, mailroom program. Is that a real thing still in the music business? It is a real thing. It is a real thing. Um, I think there's less mail being delivered since the invention of the internet <laughs> than there probably was many, many moons ago. But yeah, it's a great, we have a great program here at UTA. It allows a recent grad or an intern a look behind the curtain at how all these different departments work. Maybe you know you want to be in entertainment in general, but you're not sure exactly what you gravitate towards, or you have I love movies, I love sports, and I also love music. Where which do I choose? So it gives you a little taste of everything and sort of sort of how those departments each work, how the companies work, uh, insight into that. And then you can grow into opportunities to shadow on desks, apply for open assistant positions, and and sort of grow that way. But it's a really great, great way to get some insider information on how the agency works as a business and as uh, an ecosystem really, and where you would fit in best. So speaking of how the agency works as a business, what is the day-to-day like? What is a snapshot of your role and how often are you behind the desk versus attending events or at concerts? I'm behind the desk like any normal, I mean, it's definitely not a nine to five position. I'll tell you that it's like from when I open my eyeballs until when I close them kind of job. So you have to love what you're doing if you're that invested in it. So I do, we have, uh, you know, normal office hours and like what you would expect just on our floor in particular, the tunes are bumping usually a little louder than on some other floors. So I'm working on all the different steps that have to do with putting on some of these events, whether that be fielding incoming inquiries, whether that be routing a tour saying, you know, such and such artist is going out in the fall. These are our times that they'll be in your area. What's your availability? You know, what else do you have playing in the market? Are there some special events that I can go after? You know, summer is a big time where everyone's going outdoors, particularly in areas of the country that are cold (laughs) or there's summer things everywhere, but it seems like there's even, you know, the opportunities are like tenfold because everyone wants to be outside and and experience that and enjoy the weather. So uh, it's a little bit of everything. Theaters tend to book on a much longer lead time. So I am booking as far out as spring of 23 and maybe even thinking about 23, 24 right now, where I have colleagues who might be just thinking about what's three months from now or what's you know down the road a little bit or what else can we sneak in around this other opportunity we have. So it's wearing lots of hats for lots of different artists and sort of projects that are all simultaneously moving forward, but at different paces and are in different places all at the same time, which I love being busy. Uh, I sort of thrive in chaos. I think lots of us do, (laughs) or we like the, uh, I thrive in feeling like I'm contributing and feeling like there's lots going on and there's lots of forward momentum and movement. And it's great to be able to do that for lots of different clients. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that feeling and 
why we're in these industries. And UTA specifically has some pretty incredible internal employee resource groups, including La Femme Majeure that you shared with me. And I want you to share that with your with our listeners. Can you tell us about the group and how you and your colleagues have benefited from being members of that group? So UTA is a very large organization. And like I was saying about agency group when I was there, Starting in 08, we were in office about 30 to 40 people. There's, I believe, 650 employees in LA. I hope I'm correct in that estimation and over a thousand worldwide across five offices. So it's a really big place and there's so much going on. I'm always so impressed by what I'm learning about projects that are happening in other divisions. And within music specifically, which is the largest department within the company, La Femme Majeure was a women-led event series created by the music division. And the intention is to provide internal programming at all levels. So whether you're the most senior leadership or whether you're just starting out, it's sort of come as you are to learn and to network and sort of make a big place with lots of things going on a little bit smaller. Uh, all of our events are open to cis and trans women, as well as non-binary people who are comfortable in a space that centers the experiences of women. I thought the creation of this was really poignant and really timely and just something that I really gravitated towards because just like sports, you know, the music division and sometimes entertainment in general is heavily male dominated. And it made this big place with lots of things going on that are amazing, not smaller, but that we could all connect on that one commonality that we share. So La Femme has also done pre-COVID. We did a couple in-person events and I really enjoyed the idea that even though it's rooted in the women of UTA, we opened it up to women working in the music division or the music space uh, in other companies, whether that be other venues, promoters, uh, those who are our colleagues at other companies, so that we can share that experience, even if we're not all under the same umbrella is really interesting as well. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal when companies do it right. When the resource groups that they create are inclusive and supportive and allow you to create a group inside a larger organization, makes it feel a little bit smaller. I relate it back a lot to when we were in college, you know, you're looking at this big university and then you find your areas or activities where you can best invest a little bit deeper. And it sounds like this group has been really successful in, in that undertaking. Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. It's an extracurricular in a sense, but it's really intended to support and nurture and open that dialogue of uh, communication between all of us, because we're all going through a shared experience. What's the best event you've attended with the group? So we had one in the fall of 19 that was an in-person talk and that was co-sponsored by uh, an organization called She Is The Music. And I thought that was really great to bring all of these different women to UTA's campus with that shared idea in mind. And they've done throughout COVID, they did a couple panels that were, you know, all different levels, all different types of companies. And I just 
I keep on coming back to that shared experience is that there's always something that we have in common and there's always something that someone's experiencing a struggle or a hurdle and you feel a little bit better knowing that someone ahead of you has also experienced those struggles, hurdles and, and gotten to the other side. Yeah. hundred percent. What is your best travel tip? And I ask you this because we've recently all gone back on the road. Uh, if you, if you get to travel for your job and this has been a fun topic that uh, we've been discussing on the podcast and with, with our network. So do you have anything to contribute to, to the travel conversation? Well, beyond uh, plane travel, sometimes travel for me is just going to a show or getting from my office to the show. And you're going to make fun of me, but I have gone into a no purse zone in my life and it is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) I have my phone with my credit cards already attached to them. I have, you know, the essentials are just like your keys, phone, wallet lip gloss, good to go. (laughs) Earplugs, if it's going to be loud in there. I always wear ear protection because I would like to be able to hear if I'm going to be going to this many shows this regularly for this big a part of my life. Uh, So I'm really into that, like hands-free, then you can hug because now we're allowed to hug again. (laughs) You got your drink in one hand, you know, hanging out with your friends. It's just, I really, really like sort of having less is more because what do I need all that stuff for? I am obsessed with this tip and I wish I could reach your level. The furthest I've gone is much smaller bag, like crossbody or the, the Lululemon, like a hip pack that literally everyone. I'm into it. I have one of those too. Also (laughs) great. You're getting there. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. That's as small as, as she gets around For conferences. Here. Always wear a blazer with pockets. Cause then you can put your business cards and your phone and like whatever you need. No purse, no problem. I'm into it. Yeah, I agree. And you always look really dressed up when you have on a blazer, like mm-hmm. even have a t-shirt underneath. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> great, great work hack. So when you're not working. What are you doing? I feel like I might know the answer to this, but what are, what are you doing when you're not at work? When I'm not at work booking concerts, I'm going to concerts. <laughs> you guessed it. My husband also works in the music business and he's a tour manager. So even when I'm visiting him at work, we're still in concert venues. Uh, I also still play on the side when I can. I have a great volunteer orchestra called the Santa Monica Symphony that is on the west side of Los Angeles. Uh, I try to participate in that as much as I possibly can. The next concert is Memorial Day weekend, which I'm looking forward to. So playing, watching, booking, but I also really like to exercise. That's my recalibration. And I think I get so much out of that mentally and even some sometimes more so than physically when you just set that hour apart that I'm not checking my email. My phone hopefully is outside of the room where I am, which was harder when it was all on zoom in my living room, definitely harder, but I really, really like to give myself that hour and prioritize that. And I'm a morning exerciser and try to give myself that variety and challenge my body and challenge my mind. And the classes that I like the best are the ones that 
I am only thinking about what I'm doing in the moment and not all the things on my to-do list for the rest of the day. Oh, totally agree. Do you have, do you still get performance nerves when you're playing with, uh, with the symphony or playing your cello? I don't really get performance nerves in the orchestra setting because you're on stage with usually about 60 people. And that's something that I've been doing since I was so young that it's really, really comfortable for me. And not that you're lost in the masses by any means, but I don't think there's as much pressure that they're looking or listening specifically to me because you're part of a larger ensemble. I also play with a quartet and we do weddings and parties and that sort of thing on the side for fun. So sometimes that uh, I feel when I play someone's wedding, especially if it's my friend or, you know, the, the I'm the person who put that together. I feel a lot of pressure, even though that's self-imposed because that's a really big moment in their life. Like you are playing the song that they want as they're walking down the aisle. That is, there's no do-over for that. So not pressure. I think it's usually more excitement than nerves, I would think, but you want to do a really good job and you want it to be exactly as they pictured it in their mind. Yeah. What is, how do you get through it? How do you will yourself to get up there and play your best, even though you're having this emotion around the performance? I think years of training in terms of focus, I mean, really to share sort of a secret for anyone who's been to a wedding when there's live musicians, the hardest part is there's so much activity going on around you that when you're performing and there's a cocktail hour or everyone's coming in and greeting one another and everyone's so happy and excited. And, you know, I want to like know their stories and look at all the outfits and, uh, So I think that it's really kind of have to put blinders on and worry about the job that you're there to do, whether that be a figurative job, because many times I'm doing that as my gift to friends, which I really like. So I think it's just training to be able to focus on the task at hand and sort of block out the external noise. Or sometimes we have people walk by that start talking to us while we're playing. And that's not I would love to tell you all about how I got into this or answer any of your questions, but maybe when the piece is over, please. <laughs> that is such good advice. The, the laser focus piece and focus on, on the job at hand, especially today when we have so many distractions, that laser focus, that discipline gets so much more difficult. So I can only imagine how much that training since you were so young has really led into the success you've experienced in your, I think career. that's a, that definitely can apply to other areas. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and dis- even just, you know, being present in the moment, which I try to also think about a lot more when I'm at shows now we worked so hard. I, I don't want to just let this whole moment pass me by. So yeah, another a really, really good piece of advice that applies to all of our jobs in sports and entertainment, take a second and watch the concert, watch the event, watch the game. You put in a lot of work to make that happen. Let yourself experience that joy of seeing the hard work fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And we're so worried about, you know, everyone else's experience, but usually by the time it happens, all of that hard work is behind us. And I actually had that happen to me recently is I did a special event with someone that I've had a long-term relationship with. 
And as it happened, you know, once the performance started, she said, if you stand in the back worrying about everybody else and making sure everything's okay this entire time, you better go and sit down for at least two songs and just go and sit and be a patron and just enjoy it. And I thought that that was, I was really glad that she observed that, but also pointed that out and knew that that was important. That's such a great leaderful moment to pass that on. And no matter how many times you've heard it, you can hear it again because you'll go back into those old patterns of being really busy and checking on the details and making sure it's going well. So I, I love that. And I love that reminder. Um, so we got to the point of the interview for the final four questions. And the first one is what is your best piece of advice for women today so that they can level up tomorrow? My best piece of advice, which I often have to remind myself is to have confidence in your ability. And if you've gotten to a certain point, whether that be you're in an entry-level position, you've gotten the job, you've progressed, you got that promotion, you got the job at another company, like I have done a couple of times, <laughs> you know, feeling confidence in your ability, you've already gotten that seat at the table, you know, own it, you've earned it. And there is often a mental block and maybe particularly for women that you feel like you have to constantly level up yourself. And even though that, you know, growth and progression is important, but constantly proving yourself over and over again to yourself sometimes can be a little bit self-sabotage or eat away at you. And, uh, I wish that sometimes I hadn't let that get to me as much as I have. So not being afraid to advocate for yourself, uh, and having confidence in your ability, that would be my, my big piece of advice. Amazing. So where are you traveling to next for fun? Oh, I'm going to Vancouver next to visit my husband so that it doesn't go months and months when I don't get to see him because we are sometimes ships in the night with our travel schedules. And then I am going to Traverse City, Michigan. Nice. That's going to be a fun vacation. You'll have to we're going to share your, your Instagram. So if you document, um, we can follow along with your, yeah, sometimes fun, sometimes work, sometimes professional growth, but all travel and, you know, the benefit of getting away from your everyday space just really, for me, clears my mind and is exciting. So I'm always jumping on a plane last minute oh, that's... when I get the chance. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Pump up song. You are ready to go all in on a project or an event or a night out. What are you listening to? I love Neo. <laughs> I just love Neo. Uh, I'm going on the record. This will be on the internet. Anything <laughs> Neo just gets me going. I don't know what it is. I've just all, and I don't run anymore, but I used to like to run, especially when I lived in New York and I just put on Neo and it's it just can go for miles and miles. And finally, Noelle, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote. Well, this is just something that I found and gravitated towards that is very recent. So I would say my favorite quote currently, not of all time, is by Susan Wojcicki, who is the CEO of YouTube. 
I hope I'm saying her, her last name properly. Uh, rarely are opportunities presented to you in a perfect way. In a nice little box with a yellow bow on top, here, open it, it's perfect, you'll love it. Opportunities, the good ones, are messy, confusing, and hard to recognize. They're risky, they challenge you. And that has just really resonated with me lately. You know what? You always say the things, the right things at the right time that are going to hit the listeners in the right way. And this is a quote that has not been used yet. And so I know that this is one that is really going to hit home for a lot of our listeners. So thank you so much for sharing so much about your journey and so many pieces of advice. We are so grateful to have had you on Leadership as Female. Where can we follow along with your career? Noel.Marhadi on Instagram, LinkedIn, all the things. We're everywhere at United Talent, at UTA Music. That's what's specifically happening in the company, which is really exciting and fun. And you'll see our all our Coachella highlights and into festival season. So there'll be a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on coming down the pike. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Emily. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, lean into your alumni network. Number two, be present in the moment. Number three, have confidence in your ability. You got the seat at the table. You already earned it. So stop constantly proving yourself as this can lead to self-sabotage. And number four, advocate for yourself. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.